Nick. Jess. Do you or do you not judge people based on what area code they have if they're from LA? Oh, uh, not anymore. <laughs> but I did. Right. I did not, but you not anymore. It. It's all, it's all changed things. I mean, I mean, it's evolved. I mean, you're, you're local LA. I'd be curious about knowing what that evolution was like for you. I've been here, you know, what, over 20 years now. So I've seen, I knew I was there when three, two, three became a thing. It wasn't a thing. When it I wasn't, it wasn't a thing. And that's, uh, you know, without revealing the seven other digits, you have a three, two, three number. I do not. You have a 310 number. That's right. I'm a 310 girl. You're a 310. I forgot. Beverly I forgot. Hills, I West Side. I, I, was, I was dealing with like a real <laughs> a real one. You do have a 310. Actually, your number is very it's a very attractive number. There's they're good, they're good oh, numbers. Oh, I thank you. You're mm -hmm. welcome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm 310 and damn proud. Once I got that 310, even though I moved to the east side. I never, I was like, I'm keeping this 310. Mm -hmm. I'm keeping it. You have to, especially now because you can't get it. I don't, I don't even know the logistics of that, but I, but it, to the point you where can't, you can't even, you can't get it. I don't think you can get a 310 again. What do you mean? They stopped issuing 310s? I think, I think they're all, they've all been used. <laughs> <laughs> they're all tapped out. Well, because now there's 747. 747. Wasn't that Orange County? No, I, I think nine. I think it's what is LA. Seven, what's, what's 747? I've never heard of 747. So some people are getting 747 because you're right. Like, so when 310 was like trickling down, they did the 323. Again, I don't really know how, how this works, except that I do know there were judgments and, excuse me, and still people do place judgments on the fact that I have an 818 area code. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're over the hill. <laughs> You're on. You're on the other side of the of the hill. Um, seven four seven seems to be my first look here on Wikipedia is saying mm -hmm. that it, it's also a San Fernando Valley indicator. Okay, so then the eight one eight is 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 running thin, and then they got the seven four seven for the because let's put it let's let's just be a little fair. San Fernando Valley is L.A. No, it's the greater L.A. area. I guess, I, I, well, where does L.A.? Actually, some part of it. If I say Los Angeles, if I say Los Angeles, San Fernando Valley is in Los Angeles. No, it's in Los Angeles County. Parts of parts of the valley are in, are, I think, maybe are Los Angeles City. But not all of the valley is Los Angeles City. Uh, all of San Fernando Valley is Los Angeles City. Okay, we're gonna map it here real quick. Because um, then there's Simi Valley that's not Los Angeles; it's Ventura, and Santa Clarita is not San Fernando, but I believe Santa Clarita is Los Angeles still. No, there's a, there's L.A. County, which is very large, and then there's L.A. City. Now we we and often if I say, say L.A. It's San Fernando Valley is still in L.A. No, hold on, hold on. We're gonna get this here for you. <laughs> Uh, I think parts, I'm going to say parts. Let's see. Here we go. We got a map here for you. Okay. Most, you're right. Most of it is this. What's not? It, it stops. It stops at Calabasas. I, I would have said Woodland Hills was probably the, the borderline there. Oh, Calabasas is the borderline because the Sagebush Cantina in Calabasas exists in both Ventura County and Los Angeles County. And there are different drinking laws depending on what part of that bar you're in. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. It's true. Here's the you thing, know, Nick. You, you know what isn't L.A. City? Don't tell Which me, Cat's Earth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this particular map isn't showing me Chatsworth, although it I'm is, assuming... It is, without you realizing it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. But it's showing me that Burbank and Glendale, are they their own city? I guess wow. so. Wow. So wait, they're not Los Angeles? No. Well, they're lost they're Greater Los Angeles area. But they're not Los Angeles City. Is that what I'm understanding? Yes, yes. Similar to how Pasadena is its own city as well. Yes. Which I similar, didn't quite realize. I similar to how Santa Monica is its own city. 
Well, I guess- also similar to how the Valley wanted to secede for a while and become Camelot. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. With that ex- that actual name? It actually wanted to be, well, it, it, on the ballot, before it even voted to secede, people were voting for the names of it, and Camelot was high. <laughs> it got the majority of the votes, if I remember correctly. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, Hollywood tried to secede. Did you know this for a period of time? Oh, I did know a, that. There was a little bit of a movement in the mid two, in the mid aughts. Yeah. I knew the guy who uh, was trying to was pushing the movement and wanted to become the mayor of Hollywood. Um, <laughs> it did not succeed. Are we glad, without naming names, are we glad that that didn't happen for this person? You know, I think so. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, he was a he was a club owner, but he was more than a club owner. Like he was like very wealthy, yada yada. But he owned, you know, he was a club owner. Yeah, you. Um, so basically, you're describing to me, and I'm gonna call back to the fact that you've ridiculed me for this. You're describing Night at the Roxbury. Now I understand why you don't like that movie because you lived it. <laughs> you were friends wait. with the the Mudavis. The... <laughs> no, I worked for a ticketing company, and we oh, had relationships right? with a lot of venues around town. And were okay. you like the secret E connection for everybody? So if they bought a ticket, they got a I'm trying to no, put together. Though, though the ticketing company I worked for was the first sort of ticketing company for electronic music or, okay. or in particular raves in LA. So um, that's how you got in, right? Like you must have like dropped E with like one of the right guys at ticketraver.com and you're like, hey, I can work for you. <laughs> <laughs> I see it all now. Yeah. The uh, no, actually, uh, a, a girl I went to college with, her boyfriend started the company. So uh, it's actually much more tame than that. Yeah. Wait, did you did you steal the girlfriend? No. Oh, no. it is a very tame story. Yeah. He this uh, I was just one of his first employees. I left it. I left the company to pursue my dream of acting mm-hmm. after the first few years. He went on to sell the company for twenty million dollars. God bless him. Yep. My soul was dying. It's okay. But you weren't a partner. You were just working for him. I had a... No, I was not a partner. I was just working for him. But at one point, I was given a small... A very small slice of the company, which on my departure, I sold for for a modicum fee. At the time, was nice money. To uh, have. Nice money to have. But And one can't regret very much in life. I have no regrets. Believe me, I have no regrets about that situation. It would have cost me 10 years of soul-crushing. Oh, word. Uh, I don't even, yeah. Yeah. No, you can't put a price on that. No, I think that's right. Um, well. So wait, so we were, we're, what we're saying, we go back all the way to the beginning on the area codes here, right? And the, how San Fernando is the place where dreams go to die. <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it's true, but as, it's conjecture, sir. <laughs> That's what they used to say back in the day. It's, uh, it is true. The valley is where dreams go to die. Now, granted, uh, I have moved to the valley too, but I've moved to the San Gabriel Valley. So it's a little bit different. I think the San Gabriel Valley is different than the San Fernando Valley. It's very different, yes. The San Fernando Valley, you could... Pick up the valley and put it anywhere in America, and it would be the same suburbia. Mm-hmm. The valley is the place where dreams go to die. So, what does that mean if I was born there? <laughs> well, it's different because the reason why the valley is the place where dreams go to die, it's because people come to LA with dreams, right? So, it's the people who are already born here. They don't have any dreams. Okay, <laughs> they just—they're here. Hey, you know, my what... knife. This knife, I think it's yours. I just kind of <laughs> in my back. Would you like it? <laughs> I mean, look—it's a very good question, but I think it's referring to um, people who move to LA with big ideas of having success in Hollywood, um, but eventually, you know not really making that level of financial success or whatever, 
wanting to have a more realistic life and be able to afford a decent house or apartment, have a family. So they move out of the city. It's totally true. Um, I will say to you, my motivation to do the things I wanted to do in life were, was, were smaller or like, like my, my, um, me needing me, me having a drive to go be an actor. It didn't all kick in until I was 27, which seems odd because I'm so close to it. You know, Mm. um, I didn't even realize how close I was to it until I was out of high school, I think, or right before, you know, I didn't realize how accessible it was. And then when I knew how accessible it was, it was scary. And I didn't, you know, cause my, I had my, I had a safety net out here. I didn't, I had everything I needed. So I didn't need to like make it out here. Mm-hmm. And I imagine if I had dreams elsewhere, like, you know, if I wanted to be a theater actor, I would be in New York. If I wanted to be a scientist, I would go to Quantico or something, you know. Quantico? So, I don't know. FB- isn't that the FBI? Yeah, train but maybe though? if I wanted to be a scientist with the FBI. <laughs> Quantico, we train <laughs> FBI agents and scientists. <laughs> My point being that if I needed to go somewhere else to 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 be what I wanted to be, I would have gone. But um, I the the drive to not be successful and not do anything was very high. And I think it, I think it's a symptom of the Valley for sure. Wait, the say that again. I'm sorry. I, so the I, drive, I, I'm using drive in the wrong sense, but um, the lack of drive to become an actor and the pull to just get married and do drugs and chill at the local grocery store was high because I was from the Valley. It was really is it just the right kind of slow pace to kind of go hey let's just go smoke a bowl it's you know Mm -hmm. uh my first my first adult years were were spent in relationships and getting high you know yeah yeah i was totally shirking my life responsibility so that's not like a unique i mean not not to say that you're not unique but i'm saying that's not wow i'm just saying like that's normal is what I'm saying. There's a lot of people who do that. Oh, and yeah. I'm not suggesting that that – I just I just think it took me a little bit longer. I, I also was a homebody. I also w- didn't want to leave the nest. I was, you know, scared about the world. So all those factors into it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't feel special. That's not what I was trying to say. I was oh, trying no, to say – I got it. Not about you being special, but but about you beating yourself up for that is what I was. Oh, I'm certainly not doing that. Um, I I just do see. Um, maybe I might have beaten myself up over it when I wasn't. You know, like there'd be times like, I why am I why is it so hard to be an actor? Why am I not doing it? And finally, at 27, I lost the job, and I was like, "Fucking get your shit together and do it." You know, (laughs) then it became it like a total 180. But, um, no, I think more that it's just interesting that I definitely fell victim to a certain speed of life in the valley. The valley speed. The yeah. valley speed. It's because most people are zombies out there. They're dead. They don't realize it, but they're dead. and They're just walking around. <laughs> what does it say that the valley ha- needs to have a new area code? It means a lot of dead dreams is what it means. <laughs> Studio City, because if you're in Studio City, you're just trying to live really close to the 405, and you're you're, it's, just, you're it's, just right there. But you know what? You're not. You're, but if you're, you're south not. of the Boulevard, you're still doing pretty good. There's some homes. No, the valley's beautiful. No, it's not. Well, no. What you're about to say, south of the Boulevard on the hill, it's very beautiful. That's beautiful. In uh, the in the valley on the on the uh, on, on the, the hot on the, desert floor, the, the grid <laughs> that goes for for six miles. From Pierce College to Santa Susana, it's pretty pretty dreary. In the Woodland Hills convection oven, <laughs> oh fuck, dude, of 110 degrees. There was a point in the Pierce College community uh, campus where you would have, to, and the, the theater was at the top of the school, so you like basically the valley was flat, fl- flat land, and then you get to either end of the valley, obviously because there's hills and it starts going up the foothills or whatever. Uh, I lived right by the foothills on the Santa Susana side of things. And then Pierce College kind of is butts up against the hills where 
technically the 405 is on the other side or the or Hollywood's on the other side. So it begins to start buttressing up to that. If you walked from the bottom of the parking lot on the flat land of Pierce all the way to the top where the theater was, it was a 10 degree difference. <laughs> <laughs> it was cooler down below or hotter depending on where you were. It was it was insane. The valley, you'd ha- people would die, I bet you, on that campus just going to classes. I mean, I worked in Woodland Hills for a while, and yes, I, I can, I was dying slowly too. Um, yeah. But okay, so the thing is, is back in the day that everybody wanted to move west in in LA, like that was the thing, right? Go west, West LA, Santa Monica. It's beautiful out there. Yada yada. Was Santa Monica the the destination point? Well, it's west. Yeah. Yeah. What else would there be, Venice? Well, no, like, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people think that they want to come to Hollywood, right? But then I think it's a different – I think east siders and west siders are definitely different mentalities. And so I forget – if you think about it, when people are like, oh, God, the weather's great in L.A., the best weather is in Santa Monica. It's just that's where the best weather is because it's always 70 degrees. It's never freezing and it's never too, 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 too hot, you know? Yeah. Well, sometimes it's pretty cold. It's never freezing, but sometimes that, that morning chill coming off the... I can get cold, but it's but it's like the most... You're not dealing with winter, you no. know? No. Nowhere in LA are you dealing with winter. Um, I lived. Uh, I lived on across from the beach in Santa Monica. I did it. I went all the way west. How did that feel? I mean, look, it felt great to be on the beach. Um, you know, strapped on my rollerblades, went down Stra- went down the boardwalk, down down to Venice, down to Marina del Rey, you know. Hung out with Harry Perry and and all the <laughs> and all the locals. If you don't know who Harry Perry is, you actually do. He's the guy with the turban and the electric guitar on the rollerblades. No way! Yeah, that's Harry Perry. Wait, would you do like drum circles and shit? No, no, I didn't really hang out. I just cruised in and out on my on my blades. You know? So did you, did you hang out with the Harry Perry or no? Or Harry no, Perry? I didn't hang out with Harry Perry, but I was, you know, I would, you know, he he was always in Venice. Everybody knows. The, oh, I know. The, the image of Harry Perry, even if you're not from LA, you've probably seen him in a movie where he just like rollerblades by and he's on his totally. guitar. I don't know. If, I don't know if he's still around. I haven't been. Well, there. I, last time I saw him must have been at least five years ago. I mean, he had to have been getting old. Um, I just remember going, now that's a lifestyle. <laughs> that's a choice. That's a choice it, someone made. There were a couple LA personalities at that time. Well, Dennis you have Woodruff, Angeline. Angeline. You know who Dennis Woodruff is, though? I don't. I don't think so. He was so. the guy who sold his, his the movies he made out of his van, and his van was, like, all decked out with crazy, weird art all over oh, it. Oh, that's so funny. park in random spots around Los Angeles and sell, sell really horrible movies that he made on VHS. Yikes. Um, I also – so I lived – I worked um, not far from Palisades, and I was I worked on San Vicente Boulevard. So it's like, you know, all the – it was a very smart strategic thing that was going on here. All of the movie people lived like, you know, Ben Affleck was getting photographed by it. You know, Jen- Jennifer Gardner would come into our restaurant. So like this was a high focus area of successful people in the business. These two, these twins would stand on the corner of San Vicente and like 16th or 17th or 18th. I don't remember. And do just jumping jacks for everyone for an hour so like they were trying to become their own like Los Person- Angeles personality yes and it worked they ended up getting put in a movie because uh. they're just like these two good looking like half black men like really young like gorgeous doing synchronized workouts on the corner it was incredible and I, for me I was so I hated them I hated them it's like you guys this is such a gimmick it's such a fucking gimmick but it was also brilliant so I think part of me at that time, because I had yet to begin pursuing my career fully, I was really bitter and jealous of people. So I was like jealous that they were like, this is what they're doing today. They're going to fucking work out on the corner of the street. 
in hopes that Steven Spielberg drops by, you know? And and you know what? They got put in a fucking movie. They did. Yeah, and their career just really took off from there. <sighs> I'm sure they're doing just fine right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're now making TikTok videos That's as they continue right. to do. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> they really just they don't even like each other. They just look like each other. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm gonna keep I'm going to keep my 818 area code unless I could graduate to a 323, but I don't know that that's possible anymore. You want to graduate to a 323. Interesting. That that would mean you're that would mean you're in Hollywood. I mean, you're it would in, mean I'm in like, LA, yeah. You're in the east east side of LA. Yeah. Oh yeah, cuz it was, you know, for a while I was like, "Oh, well, you know, you had the 310s and the 213s in the oh, LA." Yeah. 213s though. I I don't even know that I have a 213 in my phone. Like I don't think I know anyone that has a 213. I got some old school too. Is that friends. South Central though? Where's no? It was every. It, well, it was everything that wasn't the West Side. Yes, but yes, it does go down into South Central. It goes to the East Side. It was. It's basically that everything that wasn't the West Side, but people did kind of you know. You know, West Siders would maybe turn their nose up at the fact that you, if you had a two one three. Oh, of course they did. Well, that's what I mean. When I you know I was when I got my first cell phone, but that was my own. Uh. And I would get my number out, and it was eight one eight. I would get people go, "Oh, you're eight one eight. Uh, uh, you know, that was I was getting this like little jive. And it's just because here's what it might here's my real thesis on this. People don't have genuine humor that isn't gifted to them from somebody else. So they heard one asshole make fun of somebody else. Or they saw a movie where someone was getting made fun of for having an 818 area code. And then everyone else who's socially awkward walked around going, I know how to make fun of people now. <laughs> and then it trickles down into this horrible humor where they make fun of people. And I'm and I'm the butt of it all. Well, it's interesting that you want a 323. Because I remember when 323 came out. Now, granted, I was I was graced, you know, with By the God. With I was, with it was great divine phone structure and a great phone <laughs> number. A, or I just happened to be living in West Hollywood when I first got my first cell phone. Hey, listen, um, that's divine timing, right? Yeah, yeah. And then three, two, three. Then three, two, three came out, and people didn't know what to make of it. They're like, "Well, it's just, it's just kind of another two, one, three. But then, as you know, as the East Side got more cool, I guess three, two, three's gotten gotten more cool. Um, and now it's, you know, over time, it's just, there's so many people with 323 that it just is, you know, it's shifted the paradigm to the point where you want a 323, apparently. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely. Don't reach too high for the 310. Just get what you can at 323. <laughs> so dumb. But it is this weird thing that we, it's definitely a, a weird hierarchy that happened. Yeah. I think, I think people put. Like took back three two three. We're gonna take it back. <laughs> well, but here's what here's what's happened though. So like I was saying, everybody wanted to move west. You know, even you know, I I never really did. I mean, I went to USC, so I like my first LA indoctrination was South Central, even though we had our own little bubble within that. And I liked the East Side. I would drive up to Los Feliz. Oh yeah, that yeah. Was, you knew where you wanted jam. to be. Yeah. Um, and I just ended up going West because pe my roommates wanted to live out there anyways. And then of course the I found a place on the beach that was in my price range. And I was like, this is incredible. But eventually I came back East and, and made that my home for, you know, many, many, many years, um, very happily. But what's happened right now is like, because everybody did want to move West. I it's like, I we should have seen this coming. There's a point where you can't move any further West. <laughs> Because there's a, there's a fucking ocean there. So what has happened in L.A. is all these people have now, it's like like a wave, are crashing back east. Because there's nowhere else for them to move. So they've crashed back east. Oh. And now all those west siders are living in Silver Lake. Uh. Have, you been to, have you been to Silver Lake lately? It ain't, it ain't the Silver Lake of old. Excuse me. Oh, you live there. <laughs> Have you walked outside your door? Just that being said, there's a place out here where all of a sudden I was like, I, I had been like eating. They had like decent vegan tacos, so I was going there having a kabir, and then all of a sudden I pull over one of the waiters. I'm like, 
is everyone gay here? What's going on? Like, is it's just a higher contingency of gay. And he was like, oh my God, we're all gay that work here. And like a lot of customers are gay. And it's like the, uh, it's like the uh, wee ho of Silver Lake. And I was like, got it. Like, he's like the unofficial wee ho of Silver Lake. So that's West Side is my point. So mm-hmm. there's well, like some, good. there is some like people keeping it alive. I, <sighs> I mean, back in the day, the Silver Lake gay community was rough trade. Okay, the store Rough Trade. You know, it still exists. Still exists, but that was. Oh, is that is that why it's here? Is because that's what it was. Out well, here. It's, well, it's like a leather. It's like a. It's like, no, but like so, all the leather da- leather daddies were out here. Yes, is that like, what you mean. Yes, yeah, so it's not like they were. Like, yes, this is a loose way oh, that, of saying. No, that, I didn't know that. That was how well known that store was. I didn't realize. Oh, that was a staple. I mean, like back in the day, you know. Like so just in terms of you look at, if you look get. at like if you look at what now is called Sunset Junction, which used to just be a, a festival, and then they create they created it like let's brand this this area of Sunset and Silver Lake Sunset Junction. That's right in the heart of it. You know, it's like um, there's a lot of classic uh, um, businesses that aren't there anymore, but that one that, that one's stayed. there. That's all to say that like you know this is overgeneralizing, but like there was a, a a gay community in Silver Lake, but the gay community that you're talking about is more like West Hollywood type gay community. And that's the whole thing of like people who would live in West Hollywood, who would never have lived in on the East side now live over here. Yeah. And they will never go to the Valley unless it's 20 years from now and it's too full here. (laughs) That's probably what's going to happen. It's like everyone moving to Oakland, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I guess we can't live in San Francisco anymore. We'll go to Oakland. (laughs) We'll go to San, San Marina. They've taken it over. I mean, I think La- Los Feliz still has a little bit of the the charm, but Silver Lake, man, you are, those stores. It's straight up. It's straight up like West Hollywood. Echo, Echo um, Park has West LA. Echo Park has the East Side kind of on lock. It's still got some bouginess to it, but yeah, Silver Lake's like on Silver Lake's on full transformation. I actually find. Los Feliz pretty trashy personally. There's some areas that aren't, but I don't really like it very much. Um, pretty trashy. What are you yeah, talking about? There's some parts of it that are just like if you live on what's the fucking street like when it turns into western. What's the one that turns into western and that oh. leads to the five? Oh, that's Los Feliz Boulevard turns. Into fucking western. hate it. That's that whole area. That strip is like it's just You're talking about on western. So, no, no, when you go from Western to Los Feliz Boulevard to get onto the five, that whole thing where you can turn down oh. Hillhurst. Yeah, but it's not or, trashy. There's maybe a lot of traffic, but is it trashy? It's a very no, beautiful it's not, street. it's not trashy. It's just too, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a, not, it's not, a, it's not, it's not even a city. It's just condos. It's, I don't know. It's really weird. You know, very I, large, expensive homes. It's very vi- beautiful. You're vibe? at the base of the. You're at the base of the Griffith Park Hills. The vibe bothers me. That whole vibe bothers me. That I just dis- dislike. Tra- it's fine if the vibe bothers you, but but trashy. I don't think is the right word for it. I don't now, know. The the traffic is atrocious, but it's atrocious now throughout all the East Side, which is why I'm. You know, one of the reasons why I don't hate that I left there. You um, can't make a left on that street and there's still streets that you can make a left on. So that just that that's like a good indicator to me. Look at look, I don't I don't disagree. I, I hate that, that that Los Feliz Boulevard is just a dead. It's like impossible. It, that's, I guess that's what I mean. It's like it's got no culture. That area has no culture to me. Uh, where our our studio is, where we do improv, there's a surprising amount of culture, but it's also just a, a weird pocket. And that place is that area is trashy, if you ask me. But it's still got cool culture. They could if, clean up the Vermont Village. They just need to power wash the streets and take the poop <laughs> off of it, and then everything will be great. But, but then it's going to be to all that. Then it's really going to be the West Side. It's that's that's you little... want you want clean streets? Come on, we're <laughs> gonna have a little bit of grit. I know. I do love it. I do love it. You gotta have some grit or else you're totally Beverly Hills. I love, I know. I hate Beverly I don't, anyway, I don't know. Beverly Hills is fine for Beverly Hills, but the East side is supposed to be just a little bit dirty. I love the grit. 
Los Feliz Boulevard doesn't have it. It's severely lacking in it. I'm so, well, it's I don't just love a, it. It's just a thoroughfare. To I, get... Well, it's not because people fucking live there. Well, some, yeah, I would never live on that street. Exactly. That's the part of Los Feliz that just doesn't do it yeah, for me. Yeah, but there's plenty of streets throughout all of Los Angeles okay. that, that I wouldn't want to live on. And a lot of them are in the valley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now a word from our sponsors. Are you a geek? Do you like naming things? My name is Scott Rubin and I wrote the ultimate guide for geeks to name anything. Whether you're naming kids, your pets, your car, your Wi-Fi network, or your role-playing game characters. Naming Your Little Geek has almost 1,100 name entries and I tell you where the name came from, if it's a real name or if it's a fictional name, all of the characters who have had that name, and I reference over 4,400 characters from science fiction, fantasy, comic books, movies, TV shows, cartoons, you name it, it's all in there. And it ranges from normal sounding names like Scott or Jessica to really off the wall bizarre ones from all of our favorite fantasy and sci-fi properties. You can pick up a copy of Naming Your Little Geek at bubblesandthingssoaps.com and check out all the other cool items there. Some really neat soaps. Naming Your Little Geek is also sold everywhere books are sold online and you can even find it in some physical bookstores if you're a person who shops in physical stores these days. remainder of the time that we have together you and i today forever for the rest of our life mm -hmm. was there a book series that you read religiously as either a young child to mid-teens oh young child to mid-teens <sighs> i mean look i, I mean look i wasn't a reader jess <gasps> i'm gonna lay it on the line no, i just Nick. wasn't a reader I mean, I I made it through my senior AP English class <laughs> without reading a single book. But I think we've talked. This sounds familiar. Did we talk about this before? Hold on, I never read books either. I yeah, read... I think we've talked about. I think I don't know if we right. talked about it on we this show. No, we have. I appreciate that you have some memories that we've shared together. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, so this isn't a completely waste of my time. But yes, we I, I have made it through my life never reading Catcher in the Rye of Mice and Men, Grapes of Wrath, or all those books that you're supposed to as a fucking school. I did eventually read Catcher in the Rye. It's not bad. I tried to reread it and I just hated the age range for it. I just didn't <laughs> want to be in his brain. So look, I mean maybe maybe I read Hardy Boys. That sounds familiar. Did I you remember, read Hardy Boys? I remember reading Bridge of Terabithia. And that oh, I remember. Did you that, read that? that? I read that. Bridge of Terabithia. Yeah, I remember. Did what you cry? Did? I don't know. <laughs> Do you remember what happened? No. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't read a lot of books. Um, part of, I don't know what it was. Maybe, I don't know if it's my genetics or just I watched a lot of TV growing up, so I never really... but got the skill of reading, but it takes me a very long time to read. And so it's just not worth my time. Like it, it's always taken me so long to read that I just, I just don't do it. I now a book on tape all day. I'll listen to a book on tape and I can even suffer some really bad readers. Like, but just listening is how I learn. I would go to, I would never read a book. I would just go to, as long as in college, it was like, I would never read the textbook, but as long as I went to class, I was fine. And I never yeah. had, to, and I and I still got A's because I, I can absorb information auditorially. Yeah, so that actually that 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 even tracks with the fact that you remember like what we've talked about, right? So like you're remembering the conversations we have, and like it it rings a bell to you. So it would make sense that reading wasn't exactly your steez. So I don't have a good answer for you maybe well, maybe some choose your own adventures i, re I definitely well, remember reading those so i'm thinking specifically about 
like a book series and Hardy Boys is similar to what I'm talking about or like the Nancy Drew series, like, you know, specifically for like 12 to 13 year olds and all all your buds are reading them. And I I wondered if there was one like that in the 80s. Um, I'm sure. I mean, like Hardy Boys, definitely. I mean, I don't think boys read Nancy Drew. Um, Probably but, not. But also, the Hardy Boys wasn't written in the eighties, right? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Hardy Boys it, was fifties. Had to be right. Uh, maybe. Um. Okay. There's. I looked it up. Eighties book series. Choose your own adventure. I definitely read some of those. The, Great. the Babysitter's Club. Did I, I don't know if I really oh, read so those. Also, Choose Your Own Adventure was an actual series. Well, I don't know if it was like the stories built on top of each other. But yes, it was an actual series where like oh. you, you, could, you, could get, you could get Choose Your Own Adventure books. I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, no. You know, I just didn't read... I did finally read, eventually, I did read a book series that was meant for 12 to 13-year-olds, but I was just out of college. So Okay, hold on. Here we go. What? That's the fuck. There's the meat and potatoes. What was it? The one, it's not, not going to be it's a huge surprise, but the one book, that series, like, I don't read any books, but for whatever reason, I read this thing all the way through. I can't, I, I, will I be even able to guess? Yes, yes. It's very... You could guess. Take it. Take Harry one. Harry Potter. Guess. Yeah. Oh, I see. I got it. Okay. Well, I think that makes sense, though. I didn't read it until two years ago. Yeah, it makes sense because it wasn't even out when I was twelve. Like a baby. Well, it did for me. It would have made sense for me to read it when it came out because I was right in that in that pocket. For whatever reason, I, I I maybe it was just like the right time in my life where I it was just out of college, so I you know had some extra time. But I actually read the whole series front to back. And it's crazy because I just don't read books. So the fact that I actually took the time to read seven books over the course of, you know, however long. But, but when you're in something, here's the thing. It's like I don't finish my day out having to read something. I don't finish a book a week. But if I'm enjoying something, I will cook through it. You know, like I will like read all those books. So I think that that makes sense if you were in on the story, which those things get addictive it would make sense that you read it all you know what i read some john grisham is that for children it's not for children (laughs) when did you read that i feel like it might have been around you know sometime between like 14 and 18 okay okay interesting that actually is the the time that i'm talking about and i was anticipating like you know, Hardy Boys-esque, but John Grisham. Is that a murder novels or mysteries? Yeah, they were, yeah, in a sense. I don't think they were mysteries, although there was mystery in them. But they were, no, they were intrigue. just more like, intri- yeah, intrigue. That might be a good word. Um, was it because your mom was reading them or what? No, my dad. My dad was reading Ah, them. there it is. Interesting. Yeah. Grisham books, I mean, not to overgeneralize, but I think tended to be more male-driven audience. Not that women wouldn't read them, but um, I think my mom, <laughs> I don't know what my mom read. I think she probably read more romance novels. Or um, Chicken Soup for the Soul. No. She read romance novels? I think so. Those seem familiar in my mind to have, that they were lying around the house. Wow. Read, read romance novels and watched Murder, She Wrote. She oh, my right. goodness. I love. I love that. I love that. Um, I was gifted, I think, all of the Nancy Drew series, and and it didn't it didn't pique my interest. I think I remember like cutting one of the books up to like make a book bag, like to like there was like a, a a thing where you could like sew fabric in between the books and remove all the pages and make a little purse. So I wanted to do that with the Nancy. Like I just destroyed these hardback classic novel little novelettes. But I was, um, have you ever heard of the Babysitters Club? Yeah, yeah. I didn't read that, even though I read a couple of them. I read The Babysitter's Little Sisters Club. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> the Babysitter's Hilarious. Little Sisters Club. So 
all of the babysitters had little sisters. And that's those, that's the series I read when I was like seven or eight. Hilarious. What about Sweet Valley Twins? Did you read that? Or did you know people that read it? Did you know anything about it? No. It was a series that followed uh, Jessica and Elizabeth Wakefield, blonde identical twins. I didn't read this, but I'm sure everyone that hates Jessica's and Elizabeth's is because of this. Published in 1986, which was the year I was born. Um, I also read Animorphs. Do you know that? Mm Mm-mm. Where these teens turn into animals and then they turn it into a TV show on Nickelodeon. <laughs> no. I mean, it's actually, now that you, and it sounds vaguely familiar. I, I think I remember reading three of them, uh, but because I probably liked the show or vice versa. And then the classic Goosebumps. Oh. Yeah, it's a little bit after my time, I think. Yeah, it is. I but it makes but there are generational twelve books geared towards twelve year olds. And that's like what was geared towards my 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 generation. And I didn't know that uh the choose your own adventures was something. I didn't know anything about that. I thought you were gonna educate me more, but clearly no. No, but picked the wrong bad topic for me. I remember well, seeing some goosebumps on TV. They made yeah, a TV they show did do. It. They did do a TV show, and then they did a, a film with Jack Black. Oh, did they really? Where he was R.L. Stein, <laughs> who's the writer of all the Goosebumps. Yeah, not my jam. I guess not. Sorry. Well, well I guess it's the end of the podcast then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any any crypto corner for us this week? <laughs> <laughs> well, things have. I guess we did, we kind of touched last week on um oh by the way can you hit the drop for that hit the drop crypto <laughs> corner crypto corner gonna get that gonna get that digital <laughs> don't know what I'm buying <laughs> what is Sonoma or <laughs> <Yeah>. Solana Solana <laughs> my name is Elon. You went, you went out and bought some, right? I did buy Solana and you it did? dropped immediately. It dropped, I was going to say, it dropped. <laughs> it dropped immediately. I, I took some from my Bitcoin. So I took some of whatever I have from Bitcoin. I, I, the, while we were talking, I put money in Solana and it I dropped. I told you not to buy it. Listen, I'm trying it's to not, build a light. It's not how you, it's not how you do Whatever, just sit on, you're sitting on this, this is long term. Listen, I know how to buy. sit. It's fine. On things. It's fine. I'm not um, worried about it. This is just money that might as well not exist. It did not drop very far, though. No, um, no, no, it didn't. Uh, and everything's kind of moving within a range right now. Um, so, yeah, Bitcoin. Bitcoin's are you, with, are you um, understanding NFTs more? In what way? Well, I, I, the idea of them still are elude me to how do you buy them? How do they accrue value? I recognize that every transaction that's made within a blockchain is saved forever. So you'll know if I bought it and then if you bought it from me and vice versa. Is that kind of the idea? Yes, that's but, the main but thing. If, but if I buy, let's say, if I if I buy an NFT, could there be multiples of that NFT and now I'm one of 100 owners? No, not unless that's like the terms of the contract. So like, that's the thing is like, you, there's a, when, when you purchase it, from my understanding is that there's going to be terms as well that, and if the terms are that this is the oh. only one, then that's the only one. If the terms are, this is one of a hundred, you know, then that would adjust its value. So like the I first one I heard of that I like when, when NFCs besides that album, you know, the Kings of Leon one or whatever. The, uh, a meme, this picture of this little girl sit, standing in front of a house that's on fire, looking at the camera and smiling, looking like she did it. There's, It's like a classic meme. The mm-hmm. original photo of that sold as an NFT for, a, you know, double digits. Um, double digits, like $10? <laughs> so if it said two figures, two figures, you have people say, wait, no, wait, four, fi- five figures. 
to $10,000. I don't 10, know. Okay. In the tens of, th- tens of thousands? Tens of thousands of dollars. Great. Something like that. I don't, I just want to be too wrong, but I, I'm now even more wrong. Uh, but the, but my confusion is with something like that is that picture already exists on the internet. So what's the value of having that picture, the original? Well, it's like saying, what's the difference between owning a Monet and owning a print of a Monet? This person owns something that solely exists on the internet. What's the resolution? How does it, is it, you know, is it share? Like how, how, what's the quality of it? Um, I could get a fraudulent duplication of a Monet. Is it still, where's the value there? Right. So there's a little bit of that. I know it's like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to buy this video clip of this dunk by LeBron James, but like, I could just watch it on YouTube. Right. It just, it just does kind of feel that way. It just feels like a little moot. I guess it might not be moot in 100,000 years, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's part of it. Is that part of it? Is that part well, of it, the longevity? Years, I mean, obviously, is an exaggeration here. Um, but yes. Excuse no, me. I know what I said. Yeah, that, <laughs> that in 100,000 years, we're going to be caring about NFTs. <laughs> but, but there is something to be said for having um, a system in place that verifies ownership over long, 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 long periods of time. Is that, that's, is that possible? What, what this- well, as long as we stay in a digital world, yeah, right? So, yes, I mean, that's part of it is the secure ownership of a digital property. But, but you, you know, you're looking at, right now you're talking about NFTs as, as applied to art and collectible art and collectibles in general, right? So... That is one application of NFT. I mean, ultimately, okay. what we're you know, what we're talking about is a smart contract between two individuals, right? So it's that's where a lot of the value is in this in this technology is the ability to have an an, an agreement between two two parties. It sound like you were going to say a, the ability to have an erection for a second, and I'm just I know <laughs> where is your head at? I don't know. Well, if owning art that's going to increase in value at an exponential rate gives you a heart on, then that's, yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Got it. Thank you for making that work for me. Um, like, for example, a friend of mine who's kind of, you know, trying to learn more about it, there was this NFT she was thinking of buying for like $3,000, but she didn't do it. And then somebody, whoever bought it, sold it a couple weeks later for $3 million. If that doesn't give you a hard on, I don't know what, I don't know what. I think it makes me just want to like go crawl in a corner. It makes you want to vomit slightly. Yeah, a little bit. Um, it makes me want, want to get stepped on. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me want to go to a rough trade and, and explore new sides of myself. I mean, part of why that happens is like, you know, there's a lot of people with money, a lot of money out there. And right. some of those people are like crypto bros who've made a ton of money. Right. So there's a lot of that money out there too of like nouveau riche who like love crypto and, and want to, you know, be in on the ground floor with, you know, the hit and NFT that's come out. Uh, but there's also like, you know, famous people with a lot of money or just rich people in general who are getting it on the game. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a secure exchange between two people or two parties that has fixed rules on it. So every, and every NFT is, I think is slightly different. You know, if you were to make an NFT and sell it, you would have to define the terms of the sale. And one of the terms you can define on the sale is how much money you make on every subsequent sale. Oh, is that a thing? Mm-hmm. Whoa. So how do you get the money back? Does an NFT make that happen? Does that blockchain that make it so? That goes step too far of my knowledge and experience. But yes, there's, however, whatever company is providing the, the exchange, I think would be where to look. I don't, I don't actually know how you, how you make sure, but, um, but yeah, that'd be something to look up. Well, your um, usefulness has run out. <laughs> You're, 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 you've gone limp. 
every time we talk about crypto corner, almost every single time someone could compile this for us, there is some sort of sexual metaphor. There is. Well, I mean, crypto is uh, erotic. It's erotic. It's it's sensual. It's exciting. Um, it's titillating. Um, so I there is a when NFTs become more like a day-to-day use for the average person using them, or if they become that, um, it will kind of, or, or it should kind of revolutionize how we do, how we, how we do business. And I think in particular, I read, you know, I read this article uh, about, I don't know if I explained this before on this show or not, but what they were talking about is like how artists um, monetize their content will will be changed by nfts so one example is like are the art uh, the creative community right now depends a lot on followers the amount of followers you have on different social media will determine how how much reach you have in terms of getting your product out there and 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 the more followers you have the more money you can make on advertising or whatever it might be um so you're trying to amass as many followers as possible Whereas with NFTs, all you have to do is sell it to one person. Wow! You just have to sell, it and then now you make the you know you make the um, the profit that way. Wow! And then of course now if you have royalties on it, you can continue to make it make money on subsequent sales or or usage or I don't know whatever however you define the terms of your of your sale. So you could now make a we could you know we could make a podcast. And sell the podcast as an NFT, and somebody owns it. Right. You know, uh, you whether or not that's the best, most profitable way for us to function is a question. But I think, in for some products, it is. What this does, what's what's pinging for me is a. I didn't know until you and I started talking a lot about this how polarizing crypto is. A lot of people think it's not a viable, you know, way to go. It's not. It's it's just you know a fad. And I don't know that people felt that way about YouTube, but I remember 10 years ago going, I don't want to have a fucking YouTube channel. I don't want to do that shit. You know, I was like, I want to be a real actor. I want to, you know, I want to be on a TV show, which by the way, 20 years ago, if you were on a TV show, you were a joke. You know, that's like how, not really, but like if you wanted to be on movies, you didn't want to be on a TV show. If you wanted to Mm -hmm. be on a TV show, you don't want to be on a commercial. So, right. Like, like as these new mediums crop up, you didn't want to do those things. So I remember truly hating the idea of doing a YouTube. Now I can't not do that, you know? So mm-hmm. it, it kind of what this pinging for me right now is um, how does one get in on this early so that you aren't left behind? And I'm sure, you know, me hating YouTube was cynicism. And so how do I not be a little cynical this time around? Anyway, I don't, yeah, it's just interesting. I think you got to do some research. I think, you know, you got to learn what, nfts are how to make an nft and you know what i mean and and it's out there you just have to do the research to figure it out and be be at the front of it i have two really great nft ideas and if you want to jump in on the ground floor nick you just let me know well pitch me the product and we'll we'll go i I have two on it i actually do have two great nft ideas well well get on it I, i i'm so busy help me well, we'll talk offline, and maybe I'll I'll do the research to figure it out or Great. ask some people. But Great. it yeah, um, but yeah, no, I had the same YouTube experience in many ways. Like, my I had an you know I had an improv group that became a you know comedy troupe out of college, and in college, this group, like the the group in college is an ongoing group. Like people come in, people graduate, but every now and then you have these these groups, the, the group of people who are there who continue to be a group after they leave yeah 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 and so so we were one and we just was we were just ahead of youtube right so youtube's coming up so we weren't really in that headspace and and so when youtube came out like our whole thing was like we want to make quality videos we don't want to just make a ton of videos on a ton of whatever on youtube we want to do quality ones and like it's not about like trying to get followers on youtube but just use it as a medium for people to watch the shit right we really didn't take go go that direction and subsequently we didn't really get very far now we we did we did make it to the what's no longer a thing anymore but the 
Aspen Comedy Festival, HBO's HBO's Comedy Festival in Aspen. So we were there. Like we were like one of, you know, we were a very well respected sketch troupe at that time. You know, we we did have a strong audience base for for what we did. We got a pilot presentation from Warner Brothers. So is this so got, the one uh, where Nick Masu's songs to finger bang to? Yes, that's for that. that okay, that came I, which there. I still have yet. To listen to, so uh, you know, I think you could do me a favor and send me the link, <laughs> or you could just look it up. Summer of Tears was the name of our group. Um, but anyways, a couple years after us, another group came out of the same improv company at USC, and they had their own group. And but but YouTube, but it was different. Their relationship to YouTube was different, right? Because right. it was there. And what they did is they just cranked out funny shit. They just cranked it out. They didn't care about the quality. They cranked it out. They put it out there. Um, and it was funny stuff, you know? It was all, you know, a lot of it was very funny. They had one video that was kind of hit a topical issue that, like, got them a million views. I, mean, I don't know how many it's got now. Um, so that really helped push them along. My group wouldn't do, like, the like the, the head sort of writer, producer, like, you know, didn't want to do topical stuff because cause doesn't, it doesn't stand a test of time. But... But what? But for YouTube, you need to do topical stuff. That's how you get people to come over and, and check it out. Um, so, anyways, those those guys now are on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, you yep. know. So, yep. <laughs> so uh, that you know that was that's Good Neighbor. It's you know Beck Bennett and Kyle Mooney and Dave McCrary. You know, oh, all very oh sure 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 yeah, all very funny guys and um. And uh, yeah, so it's just like yeah, embrace the technology, right as it place, comes. right time, right grouping, you know. But also, um, but not being skeptical, like not going like, oh, what is this NFT thing? Uh, and by the time you go, oh, this NFT thing's pretty cool, you probably already missed the boat, you know. Usually, that's usually how it goes. If you listen to like the Simon Sinek, like the early adopters and stuff like that, depending on if whether depending on whether you are a consumer or a creator. Those, mm-hmm. There is a definite uh, peak and and drop from that. Um, well, anyway, I'll let you know about my million dollar NFT idea <laughs> offline. Um, Nick, I'm so sad that you're not going to be in this in the first two weeks of Heartbeats. Though I look forward to sleeping with every other character. Oh, it's going to be great when I come back and I realize. What what have you done? <laughs> I just massacred everyone. Run rampant. <laughs> Careful, uh, you don't want to give my character an excuse to do the same. We know his tendencies. Uh, you know what? I I don't think my character would love him the same if he wasn't just at, at, just out of reach. Um, <laughs> but Nick, yes. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. So, but wait, but. Finish your plug. Tomorrow night is Oh, yeah. Heartbeats. Tomorrow night or tonight, when you're listening to this podcast, tonight. is Heartbeats, the premiere of season two at 6 p.m. Pacific time on twitch.tv slash Ripley Improv. Heartbeats returns. It's very exciting. And you can see how Dr. Love handles uh, Dr. Dick not being there. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's going to look for Dr. V, see if, see if Dr. V is around. <laughs> Uh, she'll be okay. I think she'll be okay. She might be more focused even. We'll see. We'll see. I'll have a, she'll have a picture of Dr. Dick and look at it. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, join us tomorrow, uh, twitch.tv slash Ripley Improv. You can influence the story by giving us suggestions in the chat and, uh, let us know what Nick's doing when he's not there. We need to know that. Is that going to be the suggestion? Maybe. What is? Yeah. Pro- probably not. <laughs> no, probably you, not. You're not that important. Um, <laughs> good night, Nick. Good night. Good night. I don't know. It's kind of cute. Good night. Sure. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Nichols, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Nick and I really love doing this podcast for you. We love doing it together. We love talking about what the generational experience is like from different perspectives. And we really look forward to hearing from different things that you have to contribute to us as well. If you become a patron today, you could ask us questions if you're at a certain tier. 
You can get early access to episodes if we're able to get them done in time for you. You'll get sick-ass merch. And if we can find the time, a monthly deep dive where Nick and I go deep on topics that we're passionate about but aren't necessarily through the generational lens. Become a patron today. Become an official nickel. Go to patreon.com slash you don't own Nick to find out more ways you can support our podcast. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Nichols. Now that was a JLV production.